Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Randall Carlisle. I have a special guest today. My usual co-host, Rachel Santizo, is off taking a well-deserved vacation. Somebody told me she's down in Mexico having, yep. having a lot of fun. I saw a picture of her kissing a dolphin. A dolphin, yes. That it was, was awesome. <laughs> that was pretty incredible, wasn't it? Have you ever kissed a dolphin? No, I haven't. I haven't either. We try to start out with a, with a little sharing a little information or news and I, I thought this was interesting, and I, I guess it makes sense. It's a study by Northwestern, and it shows that the rate of overdose deaths is increasing more in rural areas than in urban areas, okay. which would make sense. And, and, and the explanation is because they have fewer services available. Right. In far, and that would hold true in Utah especially, wouldn't mm -hmm. it? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Tracy Maurer is our guest today. And one of, the, one of the things we try to do on Odyssey House Journals is to give people hope if they're addicted or if they have an addicted loved one that, that there's always hope that people can recover. You Absolutely. know, our Odyssey slogan is we are recovery, but, but I think a lot of people, I, I, I co-facilitate a family support group, and a lot of the people think, there's no hope for my adult kid. They're out on the street. They're, they're heroin or meth addicts, and, and they're either they're probably going to die. And and I just don't see any end to this. And you're a wonderful example of recovery is possible, uh, and and you're doing such great things now. Tracy's a shining star in the Odyssey program. That's not why I have her on because <laughs> this podcast is not intended to push Odyssey House necessarily. So maybe you could just share the good, the bad, and the ugly uh, of, of your life. The good, the bad, the ugly. All right. You want to start with the ugly? Let's do. Oh, then, then end with the good? Okay. All right. So uh, my addiction started with uh, a medical diagnosis back in 91, which caused me to have, jeez, oh, 27 major surgeries. 27? 20, yeah. In four years, I lived in the hospital more than I lived at home. So we're talking a lot of opioid pain pills. Absolutely, a lot. And uh, after that, when I was done with the surgeries, I, I was what we call a functioning addict, right? I worked full-time. I was, I was a present mother, wife, all the things. For about 10 years, I lived on uh, Lortab and Percocet. In 2006, my doctor retired. I got a new doctor. He said, Tracy, we're cutting back on all this stuff. Absolutely not. He said, Tracy, the Tylenol is hurting your liver. We're going to switch. There's this new pill, Oxycontin, right? You're kidding. No. And that Oxycontin. was back in the day when doctors were being urged by the company that made Oxy mm -hmm. to just give them all they want. Absolutely. You got Oxycontin oh, four or five times a day, and then you had Oxycodone for breakthrough pain, right? Was Which was of, another marketing gimmick by that Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It wasn't a year later I'd sold my house, my car. I, was, I hit the streets running. Uh, not long after that, uh, insurances stopped paying for, for oxy, of both kinds, actually. So you had to come up with cash. My prescriptions were upwards of $2,000 a month. Wow. Yeah. I'm sure you're aware when you run out of Oxycontin, you get very sick. Yes. Very, very sick. So, of course, I started, um, had to sell drugs to pay for my habit, right? 
So, and, and a lot of people don't understand this, but the chemical composition of oxy is almost exactly the same as heroin, right? Yes. So it is so, absolutely. So you switch to heroin. Yes. And so, so my my prescription would run out in like a week, and then I'm out trying to get money to buy more pills, and in my head I don't do drugs, right? I'm doing so, prescription. Right, medicine. right. Uh, but I had a friend. I was sick one day, and she's like, here, just hit this. You'll feel better. I promise you'll stop throwing up. I'll, you'll feel better. Uh, yeah, I hit it, and instantly better. It's the exact same thing. It's heroin, right? But a lot cheaper. A lot cheaper. Bam, there I was, selling heroin, doing heroin, still buying pills, right? And then the meth comes in. Yeah, it was awful. So in and out of jail for... I don't know, ten the next 10 years or so. On drug charges or other mm -hmm. charges, too? Uh, other charges, too. I was committing crimes, of course. To support the habit. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Were you a good drug dealer? <laughs> uh, I was a drug dealer. <laughs> I don't know. Is there a good one? <laughs> I, no, I, I wouldn't say so. So. Yeah, so, and then we didn't have things back then like medically-assisted treatment. You could go to a methadone clinic and get help, but that was it. My first time going to jail in 2010 uh, was the first time I'd, I'd spent days without, without pills, and I had a heart attack in jail. Still no medically-assisted treatment. And then when I got out, I, I had a desire to stay clean, but when you walk outside for the first time and you're sober, and the whole world is different, right? Sun feels different on your skin. Everything's different. It's a scary place. So I started Because you using... haven't faced the world so No, for... many, many years. Yeah. So I started using again to feel comfortable, feel safe, right? And uh, went on another five-year run until and... I got into drug court. There are people watching who don't understand uh, what, it's, what it's like to be addicted to something like this and the whole concept of being dope sick. Describe that. Oh my goodness. Well, I, there's nothing I would not have done to feel better. I mean, you just constantly throw up. You can't hold your head up. It, it's, it's the worst feeling in the world. I, yeah. I've heard people say, I, I, I feel like I'm dying. Yeah, you wish you were dying. <laughs> You'd rather be dying, for sure. And so, so a, a shot of heroin instantly turns that around? Absolutely. You feel normal instantly and can function again. So you're out for another five years. Mm -hmm. What happened after that? Ah, October 2014, I got pulled over. And I just told that officer, I said, I'm, let's just save all the problems. Not even play the game. Here you go. And I handed him an armload of drugs, uh, Oxycontin, meth, and heroin. And he looked at me and he said, you need help? <laughs> no, 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 I'm fine. I just started crying and I said, I need to go to bed. This is what I need to do. Uh, so I woke up in jail the next day and I'm thinking, what have I done? So I bailed myself out of jail. And, and I knew at this point I was going to prison. I just handed him three felony, two distribution charges and, and I knew what was up, but I... Uh, I bailed out thinking, I don't have warrants now. I can do what I need to do, get my affairs in order before I go to prison. Uh, I had already 
been in so much trouble. APMP was not an option. They gave up on me already. Won't, they won't supervise me. And so when I went to court, I knew that asking for drug court would buy me another month or two, right? Right. And I went to, uh, I went to observe drug court twice. I left. <laughs> and then I called my attorney, and she's like, no, you have to check in when you go. So I'm like, oh, dang it, there's another two weeks. <laughs> so I went, and I opened the door to drug court, and the bailiff immediately grabbed me. He's like, I got a seat for you right here. Okay, all right. I'm feeling confident, though, right? I have no warrants. I'm out on bail, and I'm just going to tell the judge that uh, I want to be back on the regular court calendar. Buy me some more time. So I stand up and talk to the judge, and he said, uh, he's like, okay, I can respect that, but can you pass a drug test right now? And I'm nodding my head, yes, and the only thing that could come out of my mouth is nope. And he, this is the moment that changed my life. He looked at me and he said, he said, okay, I'm going to take you into custody, and we're going to have this conversation when you're sober. And I will never forget those words because to me, that was the first time in my life that someone actually cared. That was Judge Skanky. And just, I swore, I couldn't be mad. I was just like, wow, he's, why am I going to jail? I can't even be mad at this guy. He's so genuine and sincere. And I swore that day I'd never look him in the eyes again and tell him I couldn't pass a drug test. And I haven't from that day forward, so. He's a pretty... It, it's pretty unusual because yeah, you have you've had a lot of experiences with judges and everything. Mm -hmm. and it's unusual for a judge to understand and know yeah. that you were high at the time, and he'd like to talk to you when you're not high. Yeah, I was and, not capable of making that decision for myself. Right. You want to go to prison? Yes, I do. No. And there are, and you're a great advocate for for drug court uh, because you successfully completed it. Yes. Right. right? Mm -hmm. And, and there are a lot of people who don't understand how that works. And basically, it's, it's a diversion, and it, and it tries to treat you without you taking up jail space, right? And, Absolutely. And screwing up mm -hmm. your life, mm -hmm. even worse. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, so describe what, I mean, and it's not something you just breeze through, and it's just like an easy thing. And oh, then no, you're it's, done. it's a lot of work. Describe and it. You have to pay for your treatment and all your drug tests, so... Um, I think another thing that was super important when I was in drug court was uh, I started working my first job in, I don't know, eight years probably. No, you were a drug dealer. Yeah, right? Well, that was a So job. I got a legit job for $8 an hour to pay for my UAs. And I'm at work one day and I get a text on my phone. So in drug court, you have detectives, right? They're right. unified narcotics detectives and they're on you. So I get a text on my phone, Tracy, are you here? I'd like to talk. At the same time, my phone rings and my front desk is, my. she says, there's a couple guys here that want to see you. Oh, instantly, I'm sure my face was bright red. I was so mad, so mad. I went running down the stairs. I walk into the room and there's these two normal looking guys. No guns, no badges, <laughs> there to see me. I'm like, wow. Mormon missionaries. Instantly, instantly <laughs> took away every reason I had to fight, right? These were like, yeah. and they were, and unlike APMP, right? They come in, right? They come in and blazing, it's, right? Yeah. So, so totally respectful. Hey, you just came to see how you were doing. Let's go grab a cup of coffee. I and couldn't, I couldn't even argue. Uh, Detective Matthews and Ashby. 
So, but and in, I've had them the whole time in plain clothes and understanding. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So what did that mean to you to just have two plain clothes detective not not using force or anything? It else? meant the world to me. Like I said, I had no reason to fight, you know, and I was ready when I heard that they were there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but they instantly took that away, and, and I know who they are, right? But no one else in the room knew who they were, and they, they respected me for who I was and what I was trying to do, and they kept checking in with me often. We'd, they'd come take me to coffee all the time. Really? Yeah, it was great. They cared about you. Absolutely. Genuinely cared, though, as opposed yes. to, it's a job we have to do. Mm -hmm. After I graduated drug court, I got the opportunity to work with them for a year or two. And that's what I try to tell the people that come into drug court. They're, it's completely different because they do care. I mean, I've sat in rooms with them where they're crying because of clients that, are, that they need to help that they're at a loss, you know? So, yeah. I've, I've Very been, genuine people. I've been to drug court graduations, mm -hmm. and they're probably some of the most uplifting experiences I've ever seen, and, and I don't I don't cry very often, but there were tears in my eyes a lot when I heard people's stories. And that, describe the graduation. Well, uh, I have never missed one since my graduation. I go to all of them every quarter, uh, just to remind me, you know, because I I love the experience. We call them commencements now, because okay. graduation implies that there's an end, right? Um, but it's it's a great experience where the the drug court participant gets to come with a family member, mom, a child, a, a friend, and someone gets to share their experience of knowing and loving this person through their addiction and what they have become since being in drug court. Great stories come out of that. And then at the end, it, is everything expunged? I, I was trying to figure Not that expunged, out. it's dismissed. Which means what? Which means it, your charges are, they're no longer there. They can't hold them against you. So they've been dismissed. And then we go through an expungement process afterwards. I believe it's six months afterwards. We can take them in and get it wiped off our records completely. So there's new hope after drug Absolutely. Court. As yeah. opposed to the old system of you get out of jail, right? And, mm -hmm. and you still have, you still have these charges on your record. Right. And you really haven't gotten a hell of a lot of help. Right. Right. Exactly. And then you're branded a felon forever, and it's hard to get a job and apartment. It's hard to live after that. Yeah, it is. <laughs> did you ever run into Did you ever run into any of those obstacles? Because I hear people talking about it all the time. Saying, so, you know, because because there's always a a box when you apply for employment saying, do you have any criminal <laughs> records or anything? No, I haven't had any issues because obviously I work for Odyssey House. Okay. And. Uh, they're well aware of my record. But I didn't have any issues renting either, and that's probably because I waited long enough after drug court, so they shouldn't be able to see my charges. How would you respond to a, a person who hates drugs, who hates drug addicts, uh, and says, what, these people ought to be in jail. Why are you letting them go through a court system and, and then, then they get off scot-free and they can pursue their life? Do you know what we learn in jail? <laughs> More crimes. How to get away with things. That's all we learn there, right? Jail's the worst place for a drug addict, I think. And, and you were and, playing and you the system mm -hmm. uh, right up to that point when Judge Skanky 
talk to you because yes. you were thinking, how can I do this? How can mm -hmm. I do that? And it's, you know. Yeah, he was going to let me walk out that day, and it'd be a month before I got back into the regular court calendar. Yeah. And Yeah. So now, this, this is when I say she's a shining star at Odyssey House. I've, I've had the pleasure of being able to work with you mm -hmm. uh, because you've been at our downtown adult house uh, for, I think, ever since I started working at Odyssey five years ago. Yeah. And you know, what amazed me is, the for people who don't know, the, the downtown adult house, what, what's the maximum capacity? 85. 85, and, and it's a house on 6th East between 1st South and South Temple. Correct. Right? Mm -hmm. and, it, and it's hard to miss because we've got signs and, <laughs> and it's white and blue and it's Odyssey colors. And you, it seems like you know every, what was your job before you were promoted? What was, you were? I was the peer support supervisor. Which means what? Which means... I got to do my favorite thing in the whole world, and that is, uh, I'm the first face they get to see when they come to Odyssey House, right? I get to bring them into the house, help make them comfortable, make sure all their needs are met, make their phone calls, tell their families where they are, help them learn the process and all the things that we do there. Yeah, get to... Get and to. and, and you, it seemed to me like you knew all 85 of those people. Oh, absolutely. That's hard to do. I know them all very well. <laughs> and, and my sense was you love them all. Absolutely. Describe that to me. Is it because you can relate or what? Yes, absolutely. I know where they're at. I've been there. I know how they're feeling. I can share my experience to help them with theirs. And in turn, their experience helps me too. You know, so, yeah, we do it together. I bring up your name to some of your clients, and they say, we love Tracy. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that you're easy and that they can skirt the rules oh, no. or anything else, right? <laughs> no, not at all. I'm always pulling them up. We don't break rules. And, that, and that's super important is the small rules, right? We need to learn how to live with rules because most of them haven't had, well, they've had rules, but they haven't lived by them for a long <laughs> time. And so... So just getting used to that again and, and being super uh, repetitive and just helping them through just the basics. And, and it is a big deal, and people don't realize that. Little things like making your bed making every your bed. day and, yeah. <laughs> and keeping the room clean. and I mean, stuff like you think, well, I learned that when I was a kid. Yeah, some of these guys haven't. <laughs> and, and now you've been promoted to? Program manager which means you're running the whole place. Pretty much. <laughs> That's quite a job. With help, I got some amazing peers, so yeah. I'm still learning, I'm brand new at it, so. Do you like it so far? I'm so excited. Yeah, it's great. I, I was excited when I heard you were promoted. Um, let's talk about a, a, a somber issue that, you, that we all have to deal with, is a lot of the people that you have gotten close to in the program, either as clients or as staff, uh, not a lot, but some of the people have died from overdoses. And you are crushed by some of those circumstances. In my book, it's a lot, yeah. I've lost mm, quite a few people I was really close to. Half of my support system, my own personal support system, they're gone now. Yeah, it's it's devastating. Uh, and 
yeah, clients, we think they're going to make it, and it only takes once. It's just one bad choice, right? How do you deal with that? I mean, does your mind ever go, I want to numb myself with, hair, with drugs? Uh, not so much anymore. Uh, now it's like, who am I going to call? We have the best recovery community on the planet. I'm positive of it. I talk to people from other states, and they're like, you guys do what? We're tight. The whole recovery community in Salt Lake is amazing. And so there's this huge support system. And when things like that happen, your phone doesn't stop ringing because, I mean, these people maybe I haven't talked to in two years or so, but they'll call. Hey, how are you? What can I do to help support you? You know, so, yeah, there's lots of support for people in recovery. People outside the recovery community would say, doesn't that, okay, like, We've seen, we've, and me too, with some of the people that I've known uh, as Odyssey clients, they know that each time they're, they could die. Mm -hmm. So why did they still do it? Mm, that's a good question. That's a good question. It's, it's uh, sometimes it's just going back to what you know. You know, it's comfortable. I know this is going to work. I know I'm going to feel better. Things get too rough, you know. It's like the there's a silly story in the AA Big Book about a guy who keeps walking out in the street and gets hit by a car and he loses a limb, and then he walks back out in the street and loses another limb. Yeah. And 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 it it, it doesn't make any sense to a person who has not experienced addiction. Yeah. Yeah. It. It's horrible. It completely takes away your your any reasoning thought process that you have right so yeah I don't know why we do it but I know people that have been sober two three years and they're just like okay just one time and it ends their life yeah it's devastating people don't understand when when you're dealing with something like opiates you build up a tolerance and so you can you if you and I are sober the person who's not we couldn't do the amount of opiates that they do without overdosing not. right right so a lot of the time when people have like get out of jail or whatever and have, have been forced to be clean for a while and do the same amount of dope that they did before they die absolutely yeah how can we prevent that you know, I wish I had the answers. Now we do, we have things like harm reduction, right? So uh, we're just making sure everybody has Narcan because we're not going to stop them from using, not until right. they get some kind of treatment. And so it's just making sure that they're safe in the process, I guess, is all we can do. Describe when, when, I, when I take some of our clients to like VOA detox where people are, are detoxing from whatever substance they were using, they all say, the, the word on the street is that Odyssey is the hardest program in the world. And, and so if I have my choice of any program, I prefer something other than Odyssey. <laughs> is Odyssey, describe why people think Odyssey is that hard. Well, I hear it all the time. So we're a behavior modification program. We're not going to smack your hand and say don't do drugs. We're going to work on all the behaviors that brought us to addiction to begin with, right? And that's hard. These are big life changes. A lot of other treatment centers, you go, you get to smoke cigarettes, you get to go to work, and 
all the things, but at Odyssey House, we're going to keep you in the house and we're going to work on these little behaviors until you get it. And then they move up in the program and then they get to go do things. And yeah, it's very difficult. We have lots of rules that don't make sense when you come in. Right. <laughs> what do you mean I can't talk to her or, you know? Yeah. <laughs> One of our rules, because we're a co-ed facility, is that you can't like a male and a female can't talk to each other without a third person being there. Yep. And Somebody a needs to be that. aware. Yeah, there's lots of reasons for that, right? It, yeah. it protects everybody. Uh, yeah, someone needs to be aware of your conversation. And you have mm -hmm. to enforce that. Yes. Which and they is get difficult. so mad. I'm an adult. I can talk to whoever I want. Yes, you are an adult, but this is what we're doing here. <laughs> yeah. And we do have people who walk out. What do you... And I understand we make it, I've never been there when somebody walks out, and I understand you make an effort to talk to them before mm -hmm. they walk out if you have an opportunity to do so. What do you say to them? I'm, I'm usually, I don't know, i got a pretty high percentage rate of talking people into staying. We're going to play the tape through. Where are you going to go? What is your PO going to say? Because I have to call your PO when you leave. Um, what's your mom going to say? You know, I'm going to call your daughter. What is she going to say? Right. You know? And they're like, oh, Tracy, stop. Well, no, let's be real. <laughs> what is that going to look like? Is this better than prison? You know, because a lot of these guys are they're going back to prison if they don't succeed. So. You brought up the recovery community. And in, in my opinion, that's one of the most important things for people to stay involved in when they get out of jail or get out of treatment or get out of whatever, if they're trying to stay clean. Describe, and, and, and we do have a huge recovery community, describe it for people who don't know what, what the recovery community is, what uh, you guys all do. Well, you know, we always say the opposite of addiction is connection, right? right? And so these connection, the connections that we make in, in the community, we, we have softball teams, we have volleyball teams, bowling leagues. We just, everybody gets together and hangs out. We do community service, outreach programs, just get together and, and hang out with healthy people. And places like you, Sarah, even do stuff like uh, they, they have uh, Friday night family movie nights yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And I, I love golf, and I used to get drunk all the time every time I'd play golf. And there's a sober golf group, too. Oh, is there? You, you didn't I didn't know. know. Uh -uh. Yeah. Look at all the things. They have a hiking group now, too. A sober hiking group. Yes, yes. And, and for people who have loved ones who are struggling, uh, it, it would make so much sense to get them involved in the recovery community. How, how would some, because I've had people in our, in our family support group saying, my kid doesn't want to have anything to do with the recovery community. How do you get involved with the recovery community? Find out what their interest is. What do you like to do? And, and let's go. And, and where would you, what would you do? Would you Google it? Would you? Oh, sure. You can, you can, uh, probably Facebook would be the best place to go for all of our programs. You'll find BAM, Addicted We Stand, USARA. They're all on there. Uh, yeah, and just find out what events are going on and, and show up. And every single person that walks into that group, no matter where it's at, will be welcomed with open arms. That's just how we are. And nobody judges people. Nope. I think people in recovery are some of the most fun people to be around because they're non-judgmental. I agree. Because you've been through it, I've been through it, and we understand. You know. Yeah. 
Absolutely. They may have been different routes, but we've, we've all been yeah. through it, right? Yeah. Do you think you'll ever use again? Absolutely not. You say that with a lot of conviction. <laughs> I, can't I hope not. I hope not. Let's say that. I can't <laughs> say that I'll never drink again, uh, mm -hmm. but I've been clean for 10 years, so... I hope I'll never drink again. I hope I will never use again. <laughs> and that's all we can do, really. It's, mm -hmm. you know, the first time I tried to get clean, I, I looked, because alcohol had been such an important part of my life for decades, I, I thought, how can I go, for the rest of my life, I can't drink? And I, <laughs> and I couldn't deal with that. But then I had a really good sponsor who said, don't look at it like that. Just deal with today. Today, yeah. You know? Yeah. And it worked. Yeah. And all of a Absolutely. sudden, those days begin to pile up. Right. You know, how long have you been? I will have eight years in January. Congratulations. Thank you. And you're gonna stay. You'd better stay with Odyssey. You're one of our one of our best people. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm so glad you decided to stop by and share your wisdom and your story. Thank uh, you for having me. You're you're an inspiration, not to mention the fact that you're one of the best people I call to. To work because in my job at Odyssey, I have to find, uh, I'll have TV stations or something call and say, we're looking for uh, a meth addict in recovery. Mm -hmm. And I call Tracy, and, she's, and, and it has to be somebody who's willing to sign a release of information right. and admit the fact that they're in our program because we're governed by HIPAA. Uh, and and you, every time I call you, you find someone. Yeah. It's because you know them. Yeah. Well, thank you for all you do at Odyssey, and thank you for being part of our podcast today. And thank you for watching another edition of Odyssey House Journals.